transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the Mojave, and because there is rarely much in the way of national news from the desert wilderness, when some weird little story does manage to capture a fleeting position on the American news cycle, it must adhere to certain notions about the desert. It must feature a crackpot of some kind. The more obvious, the better, but always on the relatively harmless scale. Neo-Nazis taking over a forgotten desert town. Now that's lacking in fun. They'll get their front page profile on the New York Times eventually, but such stories must pretend to be somber while also squirming merrily in the filth of humanity. You want some crank who believes, say, in Bigfoot or the gold standard or whatever. You want a dryly sarcastic headline, or at least you'll try for it. Words are hard to manage these days when everybody hears them as differing types of code. You need your desert crackpot story to reinforce the city people idea of the desert as some vast, uncontrolled landscape where anybody can do anything instead of being what it is. A massive and unwieldy patchwork of public land and private real estate and bioregions layered over with ever-clashing corporate and environmental interest, off-road motorcycle manufacturers and strip miners, state and federal and county municipalities, tribal reservations, wildlife preserves, national parks, conservation easements, forests, watersheds, rivers and aquifers, wildfire-prone woodlands of Joshua Tree and Juniper and Pinyon and invasive weeds, feral burrows abandoned by hard rock miners, Wild Mustang herds that date from the time of the conquistadors. Desert rivers dammed to become enormous evaporation ponds. With bathtub rings upon the ancient canyon walls. Military bases and test ranges and combat training centers, sagebrush plains pockmarked with missile silos, homestead cabins and railroad lines. One scrawny river bringing much of the water to most of the settlements across a half dozen states in both America and Mexico. That's all a little complicated. That's not as romantic. That's not as free and beautiful as we'd like to imagine the 320 million of us mostly crowded together in the cities and suburbs of these United States. 
And so the rental car full of 25-year-olds arrives in the twisted fairy tale land of the high desert, and there's a dirt road. A real-life dirt road like on the TV. And they all get out and pose for phone pictures, and they hoot and holler like a family of orcs finally out of prison. And we're mostly also boxed up in apartments and traffic and office parks that we, or they anyway, can almost be forgiven for mistaking a hundred foot dirt driveway for a mythical American dirt road can almost be forgiven for mistaking the humble desert home at the end of that driveway as a free desert photo background for Instagram shots. Never mind the agitated people now coming out of that humble desert home. Shotguns pointed at the interlopers. Pit bulls straining at the end of fraying ropes. And so the news this week brought a Mojave Desert tale that fits the parameters of a desert newspaper feature. A more or less harmless crackpot decides to test his crackpot belief, the flat earth in this case, by performing some spectacle for the sole benefit of whatever TV news crew and regional bureau chief gets the assignment to go out to the desert to watch. In this case... According to the article I glanced over after many of you sent it my way, the flat earth crackpot would launch some kind of primitive rocket from some dry lake bed somewhere to prove whatever he was trying to prove. Such things have little to do with the desert, whether you are a human resident or a bobcat, a roadrunner or a gambles quail, a tarantula or a guitar player. There are cheap spectacles, modern medicine shows, the huckster in the hut, performing for each other, and then they send it out to the world as if it was real. This particular shuck is the idea of one Mike Hughes, who apparently lives in a broken-down motorhome that was, this week, parked in the vicinity of Amboy, California, and the surrounding Mojave Trails National Monument, where old Route 66 winds through the desert and alongside Amboy Crater, where the now-deceased Charles Manson certainly did not grow up as various semi-illiterate and deeply confused internet forum members claim. New sounds on the program tonight by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. As often happens in these situations... Claims that this rocket stunt had approval from the Bureau of Land Management, the agency that is responsible for the 1.6 million acres of Mojave Trails National Monument, proved to be untrue. The BLM regional office in Barstow had heard nothing of this project or their alleged granting of verbal permission until the feature stories began pouring out like raw sewage from a busted septic tank in the week before Thanksgiving. By last weekend, 
the second act had begun, and right there on the front page of the Washington Post was a follow-up article following up with what had not changed. Mr. Hughes had no permits or permission to launch his scrap metal rocket. It seems like something the reporters could have checked out the first time around. The Bureau of Land Management is not difficult to reach. Lord knows I write and call them fairly often over at the Barstow office to request occasional law enforcement and ranger patrols of the orphaned BLM parcels within the not-quite-town of Joshua Tree and right up against hundreds of homes. You can stop by the big BLM office in Barstow during business hours to do anything from request a permit for a particular activity or ask about good places for rock hounding or wilderness camping or to pick up some of the BLM's famous maps of our western lands, beautiful maps. I've got about a hundred here at Desert Oracle headquarters. Having noticed the flurry of coverage regarding a planned rocket launch on public lands that was previously unknown to the managers of said public lands, the BLM office was compelled to contact some of these reporters and make it known that Mr. Hughes had no such permission and had not sought it either. Mr. Hughes and the classic Desert Shuck immediately changed his story and blamed not his tale of having verbal permission, but the reliable old saw of the begrudged middle-aged American man telling the Washington Post, this is what happens anytime you have to deal with any kind of government agency. Imagine if the Washington Post showed the same curiosity about actual public controversies and outrages in the Mojave Desert. It was in this follow-up story under the byline of two reporters that finally looked a little more closely at this huckster and the ridiculous nut-job internet subculture he had only recently attached himself to like a barnacle. The flat-earth angle was a late addition a late addition to a previously failed attempt to raise money for this character's rocket launch on Kickstarter. The very slightly less seedy version of that broken-hearted symbol of American sorrow and grift, the begging website called GoFundMe. Having raised only $310 of his $150,000 goal... Mr. Hughes made a low-balance conversion to the Flat Earth Cult and has so far collected more than $8,000, $8,000 on his GoFundMe webpage. But it turns out that even the very bad homemade manned rocket cost more than that to briefly get it off the ground or explode trying. So the current shuck is unlikely to raise Mr. Hughes to the level of the people he considers his lesser peers, the billionaires who own their own rocket companies and routinely launch said rockets. There was an eccentric aviation man in the past, a man with the same name in the last century, 
but it appears unlikely that Howard Hughes and Hughes Aviation will lose their place in aerospace history to this current character, Mike Hughes, of the broken-down motorhome. Exactly how a very low-altitude, steam-powered rocket launch would prove the Earth was flat is one of those things that never troubles the mind of an idiot. Reaching a height of 1,800 feet. 1,800 feet above the ground, well, that could be achieved with much less rigmarole by walking up a nearby mountain, which would at least provide a pleasant day hike for the participant. If flight was truly the goal, there are a half dozen drones on Amazon in the $500 range with altitude ranges higher than 1,800 feet. He probably could have found a refurbished model with the $310 he initially raised on Kickstarter. Or to really push the limits of aviation, he could have bought a $100 Southwest Airlines ticket from Burbank or Ontario to Las Vegas. No one knows for sure, but people say those 737s routinely travel at altitudes of 35,000 or 40,000 feet back and forth, airport to airport, day in and day out. And if you survived such a harrowing flight through the stratosphere, well, once you got to Vegas, you could go to that stratosphere lounge, which at 1,149 feet high is the tallest observational tower in the United States and nearly up to Mike Hughes' highest hopes without even taking flight at all. Now, could any of that possibly have anything to do with Proving some dingbat position fished from the great toilet we call the internet? No, but why spoil one of these tales with a half teaspoon of common sense? We live in a time of belligerent stupidity. The morons aren't just quietly shuffling around behind the liquor store talking to the dumpster again. They're right up in your face, day in and day out. A nation of half-wit hucksters and hired goons. Just the worst offender on a world full of scam artists and dumbos. So it is a lot of dumb nonsense and everybody involved, especially the reporters and editors, should be deeply ashamed. Our Desert Oracle correspondent did go by the motor home converted into a scrap metal rocket launcher parked on the side of the highway outside of Amboy earlier this week. The launch, of course, was canceled. The human argument for setting aside vast stretches of the American desert as parks and preserves and wilderness and plain open space always includes the importance of unspoiled vistas. As the only real difference between Las Vegas and Death Valley is that we made a strategic decision to fill one with casino hotels and insurance company headquarters and neighborhoods while leaving the other more or less intact. 
for the mutual benefit of humanity and the plants and creatures and ecosystems in such a mostly wild place. But as a species, we are making ourselves increasingly crazy. Few of us chose this path that was chosen for you, imposed on you, imposed upon me, assaulted day and night by advertisements, industrial noises, honking cars, jabbering buffoons, the sirens night and day, text notifications, software updates. Remind me tomorrow is the usual choice when the only real answer you want is no, never go away, go away and leave me alone for once. These vast open spaces are all we've got left. We need more of them, lots more. They are the steam valves for humanity. The places we need to recharge our soul, to open up our shriveled hearts a bit. To be quiet, to watch the birds gaze upon the mountain ranges, turn off the TV, turn off the noise, if only for a little while. Edward Abbey said wilderness is not solely for the animals and plants and rocks and sky, but for the people, for us, and not just for the upstanding citizens in their Subaru with a National Park Foundation bumper sticker and the license plate frame that says, I support public radio. Wilderness is where the outlaws go, if they can. And because you cannot legislate the philosophical or spiritual quality of an outlaw, I believe Barry Goldwater said that, sometimes the outlaw might be Jesus, and sometimes it might be Castro, and sometimes it's George O'Keefe, and sometimes it's Charles Manson. Charlie's gone now, and his heirs are fighting over his corpse, so I've heard... I'll say rest in peace, Charlie, not to be nice, but because peace is the last thing he wanted. And he made it another couple of years, who knows? He could maybe win the White House in 2020. Why not? Where's the bottom? We are not quite there, but an optimist could say we are getting pretty close. As an optimist myself, I want as much of the planet set aside as possible so that when it all comes crashing down in a couple of months or perhaps a couple of years, we will have something left to enjoy. A place to start anew, maybe. Optimism is a complicated business. But we will need to get over a particular hurdle if we expect to be around in future generations or maybe even in future decades. And that hurdle, well, the experts say that hurdle is human cruelty in the form of greed and seething hatred, a rancid combination that we usually keep to the fringes of humanity, usually. Just the other day, I noticed an interesting sight on the trail. Something I've come across now and then, but that always retains a wild strangeness. There were many paw prints from a big cat. One of our local mountain lions. 
And the prince stretched out where the cat made its last charge, and then the ground was all tamped down in a tight half circle with tufts of jackrabbit fur stuck in the Mormon tea here and there at the edge of the wash. You could see the bowl-shaped depression in the sand, like somebody dropped a big round rock from above. This is where the cat nabbed the hair and smacked it down upon the ground, killing it instantly. No blood or bones remained, just a bit of the gray and tawny and white fur. The cat likely headed off somewhere private, behind the boulders perhaps, maybe all the way back to its den to dine upon the hair. The violence was matter-of-fact. There was no sign of torture, not like with our mentally damaged house cats, not like our mentally damaged human selves. No sign of hate, no sign of anger, no sign of resentment. It is strange that our species needed to develop these particular pathologies. Necessary to our evolution, perhaps, but still bewildering as it has been since Cain cruelly slaughtered his only brother, Abel. The brothers who were the alleged spawn of that mythological first couple in the Garden of Eden. garden for civilization we became monsters but we are very close now to the end of toiling in the fields just two centuries ago 72% of Americans worked on farms today with less American land under cultivation but so much more food being produced less than 2% of Americans work the land We are not needed for most of the old farm chores. It was reported this week that nearly one billion jobs on Earth will vanish in the next 12 years as the machines and the robots take on a never-ending share of human labor. It is completely within existing science and technology to feed and clothe and house the entire world population in relative comfort to shut off the last engines fueled by ancient carbon muck to begin the reversal of the high carbon levels in the atmosphere that are the reason, if not the cause, for our rapidly warming planet. The cause, of course, is greed. The resentment and the hate protects the greed. It feeds it, allowing our human race to batter and debase itself and its only home. I look forward to a trip to Mars one day to walk its desert mountains, to see its blue sunrise and red noonday skies. But I prefer this trip be for pleasure rather than survival. I prefer, I intend, it should be said, to live out my allotted years here on the fine planet made available to us by chance or design. But if we do not make a serious correction in the very, 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 very near future, then we're going to get that 
video game, big screen apocalypse we spend so much time consuming is entertainment, and we're going to get it for real. A fun thing to remember about such entertainments is the hero, or the first-person shooter, or uh, the people in the road, is that they exist in a land where nearly everyone else is dead. You're dead. Your dog is dead, your children are dead, your friends are dead. You might have killed your friends. You might have killed your children. You might have eaten your own dead mother the way that crazed child found in the Donner party cabin had reportedly done during a winter of unbearable cold and darkness as surely felt like eternity. That was eternity for those who died there, those who became food for their children. Here in the desert, we have a wonderful wild gourd called the coyote melon. They grow on big, long, green vines you'll recognize if you've ever grown summer squash in your garden. And when they've dried on the vine, they make fine percussion instruments and household decorations. Coyotes eat a lot more plants and seeds than is commonly thought, and they'll eat the bitter but nutrient-rich coyote melon, too. If there's nothing better around. The Desert Scavenger class includes the coyote, sometimes, and the raven, much of the time, and it always includes the buzzard, the turkey vulture, that dark-winged cousin of the giant condor. I like to consult Dr. Yeager at the start of each desert season to be reminded of all the interesting observations he made about our desert friends. And I also like to remember that Dr. Yeager was a world-class misogynist hating the female gender with such precision that he refused to allow women to attend his famed desert gatherings. The Desert Palaver. You know, the more I learn about the Edmund Yeager Palaver, the happier I am to have missed them. Because Dr. Yeager not only prohibited women at his palavers, but also alcohol and also smoke of any kind. Well, I like to be holed up alone in the desert as much as anyone, but if you can't enjoy the company of women or the enjoyment of a taste of wine around the fire, it seems like you might be traveling with a few too many rules weighing you down. Next week, we will enjoy a visit with the Joshua Tree artist, Kate McCabe. So do tune into the program at 10 o'clock Friday nights on KCDZ 107.7 FM in the Mojave High Desert. And whenever you want it on the iTunes and the Stitcher and Pod Bay and tune in or stream it live right off the Z1077 FM website. Do stop by our website at desertoracle.com for various information on our radio show and our occasionally quarterly pocket field guide to the intriguing American Southwest Desert Oracle. We invite you to sit around the campfire with us next week, Thursday, December 7, Pearl Harbor Day in the Grove at the Commune at the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs, 
free to attend, liquor on sale at the bar if you like a little nip now and again. Around and across the Mojave from Amboy to Zizix and across the great Mojave wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio. Thank you for listening, and good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs>